Hi, True Crime Lovers. It's your host, Dominique of Black Girls Talk Crime. And today we tell the story of 19-year-old Keontae Chavis, who was murdered by somebody very close to her in 2014. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Um, I actually was not going to do an episode this week. But just because of the holidays. But then I thought like, okay, Thanksgiving was two days ago, right? So why not do an episode on Saturday? I don't really like at first I felt like, okay, it was going to kind of like interrupt with the holiday festivities. But then I'm like, it's two days apart, you know, so I didn't really feel like doing an episode this week would affect that. Um, Yes, I hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. I enjoyed mine. I spent it with my dad's family, and it was nice. The food was good, and it was just nice to be around family, right? Okay, so happy Saturday, everyone. Um, Today's case is about Keontae Chavis. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard of her, but this case actually, this is a kind not too old, but um, this is a case from 2014. So just a few years old, um, seven, I believe. So yeah, Keontae was born on October 31st, 1994 in Newburgh, New York. So Keontae is a Scorpio. Shout out to my water signs. I'm a Cancer. So yes, Cancer, Scorpio, Pisces, shout out to all my water signs. Um. Keontae was born to Anthony Chavis and Nakisha Grissom. Okay, her parents met in 1993. Her mother said, um, I have watched a documentary on investigation discovery while looking at this case. It is called, the series is called American Monster. The episode is called Hoop Dreams. Um, it is season six, episode six. Again, that's on investigation discovery. Um and this show, I like it because it has a lot of home videos of Keontae and her family. They show a little, like, she's so cute. Such a cute, beautiful, beautiful girl. Beautiful baby. They show videos of her when she was a baby, um, teenager, adult, um, pictures of her. She is so cute. So if you guys want to check it out, it's called American Monster. The episode is called Hoop Dreams, and it is season six, episode six on Investigation Discovery. Okay. So, um, in the episode I watched, her mother says that she was attracted to her father because he was cute and he had a swag. Um, Nikisha was either 16 or 17, I'm not sure which one, when she had Keontae and describes being her mother as the best experience she has ever had. Her father also says that her birth gave him purpose. Which I can relate to because I also feel like being a mom is the best experience I've ever had. Like, my kids are everything. And it also does, yes, give your life, give my life purpose, being a parent. So, Keontae's maternal grandmother and maternal great-grandmother, her grandmother's name is Gail Grissom. And her great-grandmother's name is Mary Grissom. They help raise Keontae while her mother is in school, finishing high school. And as her father works to take care of his family. Um, Keontae's parents, obviously, they were young when they had her. You know, couples, as they get older, they grow apart. Her fa- her mother and her father split a few years after she is born am- amicably. So it's not a bad breakup. They break up on the best of terms, you know, no issues. And they continue to raise Keontae together. 
Um, her mother, after graduating high school, decides to go to college when Keontae is five, and Keontae moves in with her grandmother and great-grandmother. They take her in and raise her in Newburgh, New York. Now, they des- her great-grandmother decides to her great-grandmother Mary actually decides to move out of Newburgh because at the time, you know, there was a really high crime rate in that part of New York State. Um, during the 90s, there was a whole, like, you know, crack epidemic, and that part of New York was, well, obviously every part of any city of any state was affected by crack, you know? So um, the, crack, the crime rate was so high that her great-grandmother Mary decided to move back home to Alabama, when Keontae was 12 years old. So she moves to Alabama with her grandmother, Mary, when she is 12. Now, can you imagine the, at 12 years old, you kind of have, like, you know, your friends set. You have your life kind of, you know, a routine. Can you imagine, like, New York is, well, I I live in New York. Um, can you imagine how different New York is from Alabama, right? Um, I've actually been to Alabama. I have a aunt whose husband is from Alabama, and I went there a few years ago. They still have literal cotton fields in Alabama now. Nobody works in these fields, right? But can you imagine the like the difference from coming from New York, where it's like, oh, you know, there's big cities here, there's tall buildings, you know, um, there's streets. So then going somewhere where there is literal cotton fields. I remember when we went, um, we were driving, and the feeling I felt, like, like first of all, driving past the cotton fields, my eyes were like, is this what I think it is? And then they still have, like, obviously, like, on the other side, I remember I'll never forget, because I'm, like, a super spiritual person. Um, The way my soul, like... It was like cringe, you know, to see that. And then on the other side of this cotton field, because there's like trees, you know, woods, there was like a little, like, um, how can I explain it? Little cabins that looked like they were dilapidated. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not feeling this. <laughs> so can you imagine, you know, her being 12 years old and just the adjustments she had to make, right? It's just... I don't know if I could, if I could leave New York and move to Alabama. Like, Alabama would probably be the last state on my list to go live, coming from a big city, right? Okay, so she's 12 years old. She goes, she moves to Alabama with her grandmother. Now, Keontae is a lover of basketball. She loves, loves, loves basketball. Um, Her father says she grew to love it after watching Space Jam. Um, Obviously, we all know what Space Jam is. The movie starred Michael Jordan, and she was actually very good at playing ball. So, um, she even joins her basketball team in high school and hopes to go to college for basketball. Um, Unfortunately, Keontae falls during a game and injures her knee. And is no longer able to play. So her dreams of becoming a like a basketball player and joining the NW, what is it? No, WNBA. Sorry, <laughs> is it's over, right? So Keontae, thank God she has to fall back on the fact that this girl is super bright. Keontae is a straight A student. And she took school very serious. So even though, you know, she wasn't able to get her scholarship based on playing ball, she is still smart and she still does what she has to do academically-wise. And she's doing very well in in high school. Um, 
Keontae becomes very close to one of her cousins. His name is Christian Grissom Jr. Actually, they've been close since they were children, but Keontae is described as very quiet, as is Christian. So they're um, very, like, introverted. And he starts to come over more to her home, where she lives with her grandmother, Mary, in Alabama, during her high school years. They have a very good friendship. And he often stops in Alabama um, after seeing his children in Florida. So Alabama and Florida are really close. Like You can literally drive to through Alabama and get to certain parts of Florida like really fast. So after seeing his kids and their mom, he will often stop by in Alabama to see Keontae and their grandmother, Mary. So Christian has, he has self-esteem issues due to him. He's actually, if you Google pictures of him, Christian is actually very big, like overweight wise. So he has self-esteem issues. So he's also, like I said, a Keontae being introverted and quiet. He is the same. So they bond over that. And they also bond over the fact that they love hip hop, right? Um, Keontae begins to rap. Christian is actually a rapper first. And he basically supports Keontae and tells her, like, you could do this too. And Keontae begins to rap soon after Christian. She goes by the name of Wonderflow, and she writes her own raps. You can actually hear her rhymes if you guys watch the Investigation Discovery episode that I talked about in the beginning. She They put a little clip of her rapping. Um, Keontae decides to join the Air Force after she graduates high school. Which is, you know, she tells her mother that she's going to take care of her, right? So what's a better way to take care of your mother than join the Air Force? Like, you're set, right? Um, in August of 2014, Keontae passes the first military written test with flying colors. All right, you go, girl. Because, like I stated, Keontae was very much into her book. She did not play with her grades. So she actually scores one of the highest scores for this written test. And at the time, she's also dating this boy that her mother describes as kind. His name is Trey. So she has a boyfriend. She's joining the military. She just graduated high school. Like, Keontae got all her life is down pat. She got it all put together, right? She's doing what she wants to do with her life. And she's following her. She's chasing her dreams as any 19-year-old girl that just graduated high school would want to do. She's doing what she wants to do. You know, she's, she's making a path for herself. Um, on August 6th of 2014, Keontae's mother says that Keontae called to tell her she has a job interview the following morning, which is August 7th at Sam's Club. Um, Sam's Club is kind of like, if you don't know what Sam's Club is, it's kind of like Costco, BJ's, like it's like a food slash anything you could get there, like TVs. It's just like a big store full of everything, right? And you have to have a card, like a, um, a member's card to get in. Anyway. So she says she's gonna work at Sam's job until she's ready until the middle she's allowed to join the Air Force just to sustain herself until that time. Right? So she her mom says that Keontae is so excited about this interview. Um so the next morning Keontae's mom states that she calls her and she doesn't answer the phone. She says this is this is weird because Keontae is usually home at this time. She says she keeps calling, calling her phone's going to voicemail, she's leaving voicemails. Um, next, her mom says, all right, she's not answering the phone, so she calls Sam's Club, and she speaks to the manager at Sam's Club, and she asks him, asks him, did he have an interview with Keontae for the day? And he tells um, her mother, like, yeah, she was scheduled to come in, but she never showed up. 
Now, her mom already knows something is wrong because she just spoke to her daughter the day before and Keontae was excited about this interview. So, what would make her not show up? Especially when Keontae was so, she was responsible, you know? This is not like her. Um, This day, which is now August 7th, still no calls from Keontae. Keontae does not show up. Keontae is now missing, right? Her grandmother, Gail, says states um that Keontae called her because her car had broken down mind you this is this she says that Keontae calls her because her car had broken down um and she needed a way to get back home now her grandmother Gail is actually the last person to talk to Keontae um her grandmother tells her she tells her grandmother like can't come get me so her grandmother tells Keontae like oh you know what I'll just tell Chris to come get you because he's already outside you know Chris, as I stated, is Keontae's cousin. Um, Keontae's grandmother, Gail, is Chris's aunt, right? So her brother is Chris's father. Chris says he's going to pick her up. Cool. So when no one hears from Keontae, Chris states that he picked her up and dropped her off at her boyfriend Trey's house. And no one has heard from Keontae since she was dropped off at Trey's house. So... As in a lot of missing cases, Keontae's family tries to report her missing, but of course, as you know, you have to wait a full 24 hours because there's nothing they can do otherwise. Um, Because they say, you know, okay, she's technically an adult, right? So they say, oh, maybe she's just going with friends or maybe she's left. Maybe she doesn't want to be found. But because, you know, she's technically grown, it's nothing. It's, we have to wait, you know, let's see if she turns up. They say supposedly a lot of missing cases, the person shows back up. But um, as we saw in, my, in the cases I've done thus far, that has not been the case, right? So I don't understand why they wait a whole that long, like a whole 24 hours for a person to be missing. Because the first few hours of a person going missing is the most crucial, right? That is the time where they might still be alive, you know? The more it takes, the more hours go by, the more likely it is that they are dead or like far farther away, and it's gonna be harder for police to find them. So I don't know why they wait. I think it's stupid. Anyways, so um, after the initial time passes that you know you have to wait to file a missing persons report, her grandmother they file it. Her grandmother Gail goes in to talk to police, right? So Gail tells them the same story that she's been saying that Keontae called her about the car and she sends Chris to go get her and that Chris says that he drops Keontae off at her boyfriend Trey's house supposedly right Chris says that they they stop at Trey's house they hang out they supposedly leave Trey's house go get food and Chris tells um Keontae's grandmother Gail who is his aunt that he that Keontae says hey can you take me back to Trey's house and that he drops Keontae back off at Trey's house at one around 1.30 a.m. And that he leaves. So Keontae's grandmother, Gail, tells police that she calls Trey to ask if Keontae is in his house. Um, as any grandmother would. Because now it's like, okay, well, my nephew told me that he dropped her off at your house. So she's not home. So now I need to figure out where she's at, right? Any grandmother, mother, anybody that's cares about anybody I feel like would do this. So Trey tells Keontae's grandmother that Keontae is not in his house. 
So she asked what time did Keontae leave after Chris dropped her back off. And now Trey's confused. He tells Gail that Chris never dropped Keontae off again after they initially left his home at 8 p.m. So you can see where, where she would be like, okay, well, my nephew told me this. You're telling me this. So now where is she? So this is where things get a little sketchy, you know. Um, unfortunately, right, on August 9, 2014, a family is driving um, and they find a body laying off the side of a dirt road at 5.29 p.m. in a place in Alabama called Ridge Road. And they call police. Um, side note here. When I first was um, looking at this case and to see that August 9th is up here, it's like she was only, she was not even gone that, like, that long, you know? Like, sometimes it takes them a while to find a, um, a body, but it was, like, literal, literally days, right? Um, so, yeah, they call the police. Um, now, police obviously could tell her body was there for a little bit of time, um, and the coroner basically after they do her autopsy, they say that she dies on August 7th between 3 and 4 a.m. and was strangled as well as had blunt force trauma to her head. Now, Keontae's jeans were on, but they were twisted, kind of, sort of, like, they weren't, they were on, but they were, like, you could tell they were kind of, like, fumbled with. So, invest, investigators, excuse me, believe that Keontae may have been sexually assaulted. Now, her parents do not go in to identify her body because obviously as a parent, it's like you don't want to see have that as your last picture. As Excuse me. You don't want to have that as the last picture in your head of your kid, right? So actually her great-grandmother Mary and her grandmother Gail are the ones that go in to identify Keontae's body. So after they find her body on August 9th, the police interview literally her whole family. Now, everybody is able to be interviewed. Her cousin Chris at this time has left. He's back in Florida with his children or this is what her, his their family because they are related. Their family tells the cops, right? So her whole family literally tells the same story that Grandma Gail tells like about Keontae's car and how Keontae called. And she sends Chris to go get her. Now, she has another male cousin who was interviewed by police. He says that he has a conversation with Chris a little bit after Keontae um, is missing. And that Chris tells him that they had left Trey's house that night at around 9.30 p.m. They went to eat at Burger King and then they had went to a liquor store. So... With the now the cops have a little bit more information, right? So they go to this liquor store and they get the surveillance camera to confirm this story. And right before 11 p.m., they see the vehicle pull up in the liquor store, Chris's vehicle. And at first, they only see Chris present and he walks in first into the liquor store. So at first, they're thinking, okay, Chris is by himself. Where's Keontae? Like, a little bit after Chris walks in, Keontae walks into the liquor store. Um, She does not look to be in distress. She looks fine. Um, They buy a few things, and then they leave. Now, her family says that Chris tells them that Keontae asked him, as I stated earlier, can you drop me back off at Trey's house? 
Now, when the police are interviewing her family, some of her family members are now saying that they didn't like Trey and they didn't feel comfortable around him the times that he was around their family. Um, like her uncle has said this. I didn't really see anything. Her mom um, didn't say anything like this. No one in, else in her family said anything like this. Her uncle is the only one I see that states. He does not feel comfortable around Trey. So now the cops are thinking, hmm, okay, Trey must be lying. And now they feel like this is a domestic violence incident that went wrong. Because let's be honest, a lot of women are killed by their partners, right? Okay, so the cops bring Trey in for questioning on August 10th, a day after they found Keontae's body. Now, Trey says he comes home from work and Christian and Keontae are already in already on his porch, sitting on his porch. He says he has to go, he has to leave and go right back to work. So, they don't stay long. Like only a little while he leaves, they leave, he goes back to work. Now, he also lives with he has a cousin named Garrett that lives with him. So, at first the cops were thinking like, okay, Maybe Trey and Garrett has something to do with Keontae's disappearance and her murder, right? So they bring Garrett in. Garrett basically corroborates Trey's story. Now, Garrett already has a criminal record, right? So at the time of Keontae's murder, Garrett has an ankle monitor on his ankle. Now, if you know anything about ankle monitors, literally, you cannot go anywhere with, like, anywhere with them on. Cops are able to trace your every move with an ankle monitor. And I feel like, thank God Garrett had this ankle monitor on because if not, I feel like they would have been suspects, right? So cops go back and look at all the locations where Garrett is at. They're able to track him. And at the time of Keontae's death, his ankle monitor is pinging from his house. So Garrett is Garrett and Trey are both cleared of Keontae's death because clearly Garrett was nowhere near the scene, nowhere near her body when she was ta- when she was murdered, right? So now cops know that Keontae's cousin Christian is lying. He's not telling the truth. Now, this is where things get a little bit like WTF, for me at least, because family is everything to me, right? And to a lot of us. So now it's like the most incomprehensible thing to think like, okay, maybe her cousin has something to do with this, like... Like you would, your brain would never even think to go there first, right? So the cops get Christian's phone records, and his phone literally pings off the cell tower where they find her body at 3 a.m. At the time where they say she was killed between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m., his cell phone literally pings off that tower at 3 a.m. So this means that he was close to where her body was at the time that she was killed, Mind you, Keontae's body was found in an area that was literally nothing but grass. There was nothing where he could say, oh, I was here. That's why I ping like no stores. It was, it's literally fields, fields, fields. So you, you have no excuse to why your phone was pinging off this tower at this time, right? Now, this is where, it, this is where it's like, okay, Chris, before they even figure out anything um, to do with Chris's phone records or Claire, Trey, and Garrett of Keontae's death, Chris leaves Alabama in the middle of the investigation, excuse me, before they're even able to find Keontae's body. And their grandfather would do it. He would tell a news reporter 
that when Chris left, he knew in his heart that he was the one who did something to Keontae because who leaves their family at a time like that? And they asked, supposedly they asked him to stay to help look for her. And he was like, nah, I got to go. My thing is, this is your cousin. You guys have been close since children. Why would you not want to help look for her for the day she was missing? And even after, okay, they find her her dead body. Why are you not there trying to help police find out who did this to your cousin? Because you guys were close. You know, so the grandfather says, like, he knew right then and there that Chris Chris did it. Can you imagine as being both their grandfather, like, how that affects you as a human being? Like, your heart is torn. Like, my grands, my my grandson killed my granddaughter. And before they even had a confirmation that, okay, yeah, Chris did it, the grandfather already knew in his spirit, like, oh, my God. Like, my grandson is was capable of doing this to his cousin. That's that's crazy to me. I can't even imagine like the betrayal like that is I, I don't I don't get it. Now, Chris is the police's prime suspect and they are not able to locate him, obviously. Um strangely though, on the literally the next day, like this case is solved like boom 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 super quick, right? On August 10th in Platt Hill, New York, someone outside of Chris's home calls 911 due to a family argument. Now, I believe, and the police believe this argument definitely had to do with um, Keontae's murder. I think I think this the family already knew before cops even confirmed it. I think that whole family already knew that Chris was guilty because they said that it was a family argument. And if you listen um, to the call which you can if you watch the hoop dreams episode there's a lot of ruckus there's a male voice screaming there's a woman's voice there's a lot of a lot of yelling a lot of ruckus and i definitely think that that has to do with um Keontae being murdered i think this family knew from the beginning well not from the beginning but once i think um her boyfriend and his cousin were cleared I think that's when they knew, like, all right, Chris did it. So, um, okay, when police get to Chris's mother's house, they literally arrest him. Like, there's, they're not sitting there to figure out what happened, who did what. He's arrested, like, right there on the spot. And the cops from Alabama drive up to New York with an arrest warrant for him. Now, Chris lawyers up real fast. He doesn't even want to talk. They're not allowed to speak to him because as soon as they grab him, he's like, I want a lawyer. And it just goes to show you, like, how much of a piece of shit he is. You, not only did you kill your cousin, she trusted, first of all, she trusted you with her life. You freaking kill her. You go back home to your grandmother's house. You lie to your whole family while they're looking for her. You sit in their face. You lie. And then on top of that, in the middle of the investigation, you leave. And you have the audacity to say, oh, I'm not talking to y'all. Like, you have no remorse for what you did to the, to your own cousin. Like, she's not just some girl you met. She's not a girlfriend. You know, this is your whole blood. And I just feel like, yeah, some people feel like, okay, blood is not thicker than water. And I understand that to an extent when it comes to, like, toxic family issues. But they were not toxic, right? They were super close. They bonded. Their family seems to really have loved the both of them. And to do this to your cousin who you spent time with 
it's just like i don't understand right so when anybody that's involved like involved with a murder is arrested they make them take off their shirts because they take pictures of their hands their chest neck you know just to see if there's any cuts scrapes markings anything so when chris takes first of all chris takes his shirt off he has scrapes like scratches on his um the bottom part of his arm but that's not even the one that's like what the f he has a bite mark on his chest like a literal bite mark on his chest and can you imagine like as a cop seeing that because it's like you know where he got you know that that came from Keontae you know Keontae was fighting for her life and like I said if you see this this man he is huge and if you see Keon pictures of Keontae, it's like she had no, like unless she had a weapon, she had no way to win against this man who was like three, four times her size, you know. And I'm pretty sure he caught her off guard because it's like you're not thinking your cousin is gonna do that to to you, right? So she, of course, she's trying to get away. She bites him. Now. He gets on the phone and he tells I'm um, I'm not sure who he talks to on the phone. It's somebody in their family, and he's still trying to keep, you know, keep his innocence. He tells them, "Oh, you know, this is an old bite mark. I got this a long time ago." Yada yada yada. So cops go, "Okay." They call his girlfriend in Florida. When they call, her, she tells them he did not have any bite marks on his chest when he left here to go to Alabama. So now it's like, okay, Chris, this is not an old bite mark, right? You got it in Alabama, and we pretty much are sure how you got it, right? Keontae was fighting for her life, and, of course, with him being much bigger than her, what are you going to do? You're fighting for your life. Yeah, I'm going to bite you. So um, the cops are pretty much sure that they have their man. But they get a search warrant for Christian's vehicle. And in his vehicle, on the roof part of the vehicle, inside, not on the outside of the roof, but in the inside of his car on the roof, they find a smear of blood. They cut this sample out and have it sent to the lab. And this is the nail in the coffin for Christian. Because this blood, this blood sample does come back as a match to Keontae. Um, Christian is then charged with her murder. Now, no one ever finds out his motive, not the cops, not their family. I was watching a clip um, of an interview her father did. And her father, his name is, well, they call him Tone. Her father, Tone, basically says he believes that Christian was attracted to Keontae. And that night he tried something with her. You know, they were drinking and I guess he thought, okay, she's drunk or she's had a drink or two. So she's not, you know, going to really like you know fight me on this and that Keontae rejected him her father says that he thinks that Keontae may have said something to Christian to the effect of he was going she was going to inform the family and that Christian became enraged and killed her now Christian I can see Christian becoming enraged because later on we find out that the reason Christian was even in Alabama at the time of Keontae's murder was because he was on the run for a domestic violence charge that he had in Florida. So you weren't even supposed to be in Alabama. You didn't come to Alabama on, oh, I want to spend time with my family. I want to spend time with my cousin. You came because you were fleeing an, 
a literal assault charge on a woman already. So, you know, I can see him definitely becoming enraged with Keontae and killing her. Now, at Christian's trial, he claims he's innocent, and he denies doing anything to Keontae. He never says, yeah, like, I did this. You know, he never confesses. He always says, I didn't do, I didn't do this, excuse me, and I don't know who did it. And this is why I say that I believe Christian is mentally ill, right? Because you shouldn't want to sexually assault anybody, right? Male, female, anyone, anyone. I think you're mentally ill if you sexually assault any person. But to sexually assault or do something to somebody that you're supposed to protect, because, you know, cousins grow up like brothers and sisters, right? Yeah, we're cousins, but we're siblings, you know? It's your job to protect her and to kill her. Mind you, you strangled her, and then she had blunt force trauma to her head. So you beat you literally beat her to do all that to someone that you're supposed to protect is like something is really ill like something is really wrong with you you know um I don't know if he's been evaluated or like what type of test he's had or what's going on with him in prison but I wouldn't be surprised if he came back and there was something wrong with him because it just doesn't make sense at all it doesn't um, her father says in an interview after Keontae's death that his daughter's death is a learning lesson. He says, you know, a lot of times we think the predators are outside of our family. And he says sometimes the predator is not outside of the family, but inside, right? And people need to pay attention to any warning signs or any feelings that they feel. And this is true because there's been, there's cases where, you know, um, I haven't covered them yet, but if you're into true crime like me, there's times where the brothers are the killers or the mother or the father or the uncle, you know. Not all the time are the predators outside of the family. So he's definitely right when he says, you know, teach your kids to pay attention to that feeling that they have, even with the people that are related to them. So I definitely agree with him on that. He describes Keontae as being quiet. Um, but once she was comfortable, he said she was always lighting up the room with her smile and making jokes. Um, she loved her family, especially her great-grandmother Mary and her grandmother. And she also loved animals. Her mother says she wants Keontae to be remembered as having a warm spirit. Um... I was actually, when I Googled um, Keontae's name, a Facebook page popped up. They have a memorial page for her. It's, I think it's called R.I.P. Keontae. Her father is very active on the page, so you will see him a lot. Um, her mother, Nikisha Grissom, has written a book, and I found the book actually in the group. Um, if you go on Facebook and type in R.I.P. Keontae, the group should pop up. But the name of the book is called The Fabric of My Soul Has Been Torn. And you can purchase it directly from her Facebook account. Her Facebook name is Nakisha S. Grissom. Again, the name of the book is called The Fabric of My Soul Has Been Torn. Maybe you can Google the name of the book and it might pop up that way as well. Um, 
again if you guys are interested in seeing videos of Keontae, she was a she was such a cutie pie she is a cute when i saw her picture her a video of her as a baby they um post um a video on the episode of her on her first birthday and she's sitting on her mother's lap her father's opening her gifts and she is the cutest little thing oh my god that little girl she's so cute so cute um again the series is called american monster the episode is called hoop dreams and it is on season six episode six um let me let me know what you guys think of this episode in the comments on my instagram page it is called black girls talk crime um let me know what you think about christian and just the whole situation involving him murdering his cousin thank you all for listening to this episode of black girls talk crime and i'll see you next week thanks bye